Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Good afternoon and welcome to Engage Success Radio show number 375, Building Positive Workplace Cultures. Today we're going to be talking about the hidden epidemic of workplace bullying, how it impacts your workforce and what to do about it. I'm Jo Dodds, your host for today. I'm an engagement consultant working within the Engage Success core team. The Engage Success movement is an inclusive movement committed to the idea that there is a better way to work by releasing more of the capability and potential of people at work. We spread the word about employee engagement and shine a light on good practice, inspiring people and workplaces to thrive. And we're widely supported across the UK involving the public, private and third sectors. If you go to our website, engagesuccess.org, you can use the link at the bottom of the page to join our newsletter list, and all our social media links are there too. My guest today is Catherine Matice, who's founder of Civility Partners. So welcome, Catherine. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Lovely. So start by telling us a bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. Um, we're here in the United States, and we are an HR consulting firm focused specifically on building positive workplace cultures, and we're expert in solving toxic workplace cultures. So our clients often have had some sort of thing that blew up in their space, be it a public declaration of sexual harassment, or they've already done an internal employee survey and found that they had pretty low morale. Um, You know, so we get called in when things aren't looking too good for the organization or for employees. They're very disengaged, and we uh, work with leaders and employees to really turn that around and create a more respectful, engaging type of a workplace. Mm -hmm. And how did that come about for you? It's the sort of thing that I can imagine many HR professionals and consultants might sort of run away from, actually. You know, they deal with the situations when they crop up, but ideally they don't want the situations. It sounds like you run towards them. (laughs) That's right. I do. I run towards them. Yeah. You know, I I had my own personal experience with that. I was the director of human resources uh, internally for an organization and uh, found myself working with another director. You know, he was my peer. um, And I would say he was engaging in bullying behavior, though I didn't know it at the time initially. Um, But, uh, you know, as the director of HR, I dealt with all of the organizational problems, as you said, that most HR run away from, and I probably was running away also. Um, But I also personally felt bullied. So I was kind of dealing with this problem as a target, as well as the HR representative. And during that time, I started getting my master's degree in organizational communication and uh, just ended up doing all of my research in graduate school on this type of aggressive communication I was dealing with at work and found it to be very therapeutic to learn that there's about, at the time, 30 years of academic research from around the world on that topic and um, that I wasn't crazy and it, it does happen and it's real and my boss's response was pretty standard, which was to say, that's just how he is. Let it be. Don't let it bother you. You know, be the bigger person. Um, And so as I got out of graduate school, I just decided there was probably a lot of other organizations who had this problem. And I basically had a master's degree in workplace bullying at that point and uh, decided to to uh, use that knowledge for good. And I'm very passionate about people feeling respected and valued at work. 
Yes, yeah. So it'd be interesting, I think, to to sort of start by talking about what bullying looks like. It's interesting you said that you know you were in an experience, having an experience you didn't sort of think it was that at the time. And I, I have had sort of at least a couple of situations in in the corporate world uh, where, looking back, I know that I was bullied, but at the time I didn't think that, or I I sort of made excuses or whatever. And I think that that can be quite common. Um, what 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 is and and I think also bullying can have so many different uh, manifestations. So what would you describe as 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 what what bullying is? What bullying looks like? Yeah. So I have a bit of a long-winded answer. So I'll apologize up front for that. So um, yeah, mo- most people because when we're at work we feel like we're all adults. We shouldn't be getting treated this way. So there's this weird phenomenon for people who feel bullied to really be in a state of confusion about it because we just didn't expect to be treated that way once we got into adulthood, right? So um, it, it does, there, there's some kind of gaslighting there where people are sort of like, is this really happening? Um, and unless you're well-versed on that word bullying or, or, you know, go online and start really looking and digging, there are many people who, yeah, when I give a, uh, presentations, a lot of times people will come up to me after and say, just what you did. You know, at the time I didn't realize it was bullying, but now I realize it is. Um, So all of that said, I would say the simple answer to defining bullying is that it's exactly like harassment. The only difference is who you aim that at, right? So in the UK, in the US, and in many countries, we have protected characteristics such as race, religion, nationality, gender, orientation, sex, et cetera. Um, yeah. So the behaviors are the same. It's if you aim those behaviors at a protected characteristic, then we call that harassment, and that's illegal. If uh, you're an equal opportunity harasser, then much of the time that is very legal behavior. That's the simple answer. Um, really, what it boils down to is this pervasive, ongoing, abusive, and hostile behavior that creates a psychological power imbalance um, and causes a lot of uh, you know, psychological and physical damage to both targets and witnesses. And mm-hmm. you can always break bullying behavior down into three buckets. So no matter what bullying behavior you can possibly think of, it will most certainly fall into one of these three categories. So the first category is aggressive communication. That would be the nasty emails, the, the aggressive yelling, the getting in someone's personal space, the puffed up chest. Um, you know, swearing, any of that type of behavior we can look at and probably all agree, okay, that was aggressive. Yeah. The second part of behavior is humiliation, calling out mistakes in public or, you know, chastising someone and CCing other people, leaving them out of things, socially isolating them, making sarcastic jokes about them. So that's the second bucket, humiliation. And the third is manipulation which would be uh, doing things like giving someone so much work that they can't possibly complete it in the deadline provided or punitively punishing people so they're left a little lost and confused or um, taking work away from people that's actually really key to their job without explaining why or using performance evaluations to manipulate people. So those Mm. are the three buckets, aggressive communication, Mm. humiliation, and manipulation. 
And what sort of impact does it have within organisations and, and for individuals and, and I guess for teams as well when they see that, that happening to other people? Yeah, I mean, there is so, so much research on the damage it causes. And really, at the very least, people get anxious and fearful and they're losing sleep at night over it. Um, but it can certainly escalate from there. The research is very clear that people can, you know, feel depressed. Um, that they have sleepless nights, they can get headaches or stomach aches, even things like heart disease and irritable bowel syndrome have been associated with being bullied at work. So, you know, we all know that stress and prolonged stress really has physical consequences for us. Um, and so all of that is true. And in fact, um, research is very clear that you can actually get PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, from being bullied. So I think that's pretty profound to think that you could be a soldier in war or go to work and that both of those individuals could come home from, from those scenarios with some PTSD. That's pretty profound. And of course, that's very damaging for the organization to have a bunch of people feeling stressed and anxious and fearful. And, you know, of course, it shuts down innovation and communication and it's just all bad for the organization. Mm -hmm. So where does it come from? Why why do people bully? I mean, there's lots of ways that can happen, as you've already described with the sort of three categories, but, but even within those categories, there's, there's so many different examples of, of things that people can do or not do, I guess, <laughs> that ends up yeah. in bullying behaviour. But why do people do it in the first place? Well, the the uh, jury's still out on that. So research is hard when to you know it's hard to locate people who self-identify as bullying and ask them why they do it. Um, yeah. So there is a definitive answer. I will tell you that in my experience coaching people who engage in bullying behavior, so that's one of our specialties here is executive coaching for bullying leaders. What I find is they are extraordinarily anxious about competence, and usually they are very high-level performers. They climb their way up through the organization because they are so focused on competence, so they are really good performers. And so over time, people have overlooked their behavior because they bring results, and um, you know they just start to learn that it's okay to be that way. So that's reason number one. Secondly, they lack social and emotional intelligence. So what I find fascinating is they often are very aware that people see them as kind of a hard manager or a tough cookie, but they just have no idea that actually people think that they're a bully and they're going home and crying at night and you know people are quitting because of the way they behave. So they're they're missing the real impact that they're having on people because they lack social and emotional intelligence. So yeah. what happens is they get, they feel threatened. They feel like their competence is threatened in some way and they sort of react with the fight or flight thing, you know, so they react with fight and bully and then they don't recognize the damage that reaction has had. And then they're mm -hmm. getting permission to engage in that behavior. So then it just becomes this cycle. Yeah. Yeah. And there must be a, a big link to, sort of management leadership competence and uh, and sort of how uh, how much ability they have to manage people I mean I'm just thinking back in my own experience I, I had a, a couple of people who worked with me I don't know sort of 20 years ago and I, I remember almost this is a bit of a um a confession almost tipping into 
bullying one of them because her performance was poor and I got on really well with the other one and they didn't get on and we all mm-hmm. worked in the same office and we had issues and you know on reflection I couldn't deal with it very well so it came out wrong and it and it was almost tipping into bullying and I could see that and thankfully managed to sort of pull back from it but it was it was sort of the circumstance but coupled with my inability to deal with it and I wouldn't say I'm you know not emotionally intelligent at the time I just didn't have the leadership management capability to deal with that particular situation and you know we we talk about managers and leaders a lot having development needs and you know there's always development and training and everything going on I I do think some of the time it it must be about that do you think that's something that we we miss in organizations we we don't always give people those skills that they need 100 percent, absolutely and that thanks for sharing that story and and yeah that's exactly what happens you know tackling a bullying behavior somebody who's engaged in that behavior is takes a certain kind of a skill and we're not all born with that skill. Some managers might naturally be good at kind of stepping in there and resolving it, but most aren't. I mean, you know, I have a master's degree and I've been specially trained in coaching and that's why I'm able to step into it. So that's a lot of education I've been through. Um, yeah. And yeah, so, so, and that's the other thing is a lot of organizations do things like harassment prevention training but it's all very focused on harassment specifically and what you do if you get a complaint and and that as opposed to the soft skill portion of that or the leadership Mm -hmm. portion around how do you step in, how do you coach somebody who's starting to engage in negative behavior so that it doesn't escalate. Yeah, these are all things that that middle managers and and above and supervisors even need to learn. And it's that bit about... um as you said, when you talked about people being known as being um, sort of strong and brash and, and, and uh, I don't know how, what the, the, um, the acceptable terms would be, but I mean, clearly they're, they're bullying, but they get a reputation as being hard and, you know, that seems as being, uh, you know, good in some cases or certainly not bad enough to deal with because they deliver the results that are, are required. Um mm-hmm. How how can organisations? What tips do you have for people to to deal with those people so that you know they're they're performing, they're getting the job done, they're doing it in a in a sort of heavy-handed way, and and the organisation knows that. But how you know what do they do to resolve it? Because quite often they, it gets ignored, doesn't it? Because it's easier to do nothing and continue with the good performance or seemingly good performance. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. A couple things, you know, uh, I mean, there's a, I could do a whole eight hour class on that answer, yeah. but and a basic, basic answer includes a couple things. One is seeing behavior just like we see performance problems. So let's say you have a salesperson who is not making the required quota of phone calls every day, and they're not bringing in the required quota of sales revenue every month and all of that. A company would certainly start to step in, maybe try to coach that person initially to give them some help. And then over time, if it's not changing, they start going down a path of discipline, right? If you can't meet your quotas, we're going to have to let you go and we're going to give you some warning, but then you got to go if you can't do it. 
And we don't really do that with behavior. So we have to see behavior as a performance issue, just like that. So if somebody is acting out of turn and being disrespectful, even minor disrespect, it doesn't have to escalate, you know, the catch it up early. Um, where you have those same conversations. Hey, you're you're not meeting your quota of being kind, if you will. You know, you're not yeah, acting in yeah. the ways we need. And coach them, and and then over time, if they don't change, then they work their way towards termination. So that's step one, and that's kind of an easy step because you already have all of those processes in place to manage performance. Use it to manage mm-hmm. behavior. Um, Something else I see that's pretty constant in my toxic workplace clients is that they haven't been using their core values very well or at all. So a lot of companies create core values and then they're on the website and they don't really do anything with it from there. So truly, your core values are your opportunity to dictate behavior. You have corporate policies about not harassing people not engaging in certain types of behavior, how much PTO you get and all of that. So there's all these rules in your policies, but none of them really actually talk about what you do want from people. And that's the opportunity that core values provide. So measuring people on their ability to use the core values, measuring managers and department heads on their ability to have teams who engage in those core values and and have a respectful work environment. Um, You know, there's just reward systems around core values, creating programs around the core values. I mean, there's just so much you could do with core values that companies Mm -hmm. aren't. So those are the two kind of main answers Mm -hmm. that would really save everyone a world of hurt. Yeah. And can you stop bullies, bullying? You can, uh, most of the time. (laughs) (laughs) So what happens is, um, I'll just tell you from my experience, what often happens is this person who's been acting this way for a long time and the CEO hasn't been willing to put a stop to it because they are seen as valuable, what happens is they finally cross the line or somebody finally has the courage to file a complaint or... Um, you know, usually something's happened. I've had several coaching clients where the yell, this bully was yelling so crazy at someone that they had a panic attack or collapsed to the floor in tears, you know, so there's this real physical moment that happens in a bullying scenario where finally the CEO says, okay, I get it. We can't have you act that way anymore. Um, But because they've been allowed to act that way for so long, they don't really understand when the CEO says you can't do that anymore. They're thinking, but I'm doing what? You know, I'm not doing anything that I wasn't doing all these previous years. So what I do is come in and I do a 360 and I, I simply gather perceptions of how this person's perceived. I'm not a workplace investigator. I'm not interested in facts. I just want to understand how they're perceived so that I can hold a mirror up for them. And then I can say, look, people think you're really competent at your job, but you're not so competent at leadership. I mean, that's ultimately the message I'm providing. And because they're so focused on competence, that hurts. And they want to make change. And also they're not psychopaths. They don't actually enjoy making people's lives hard. They just think they're holding people accountable to the kind of success that they're interested in. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm able to help them find new ways to keep people successful and, and maintain this world of competence they want to be in without hurting people. 
Um, but not always, you know, I've had, I've had some people that I just clearly couldn't help and it is what it is. And, but then the organization's been able to make the choice of, look, we gave you this really amazing tool. You couldn't change. And so now you've got to go. So it's uh, yeah. I'm a good yeah. sort of coming to Jesus coach. <laughs> <laughs> How often does it escalate? escalate? You, you get brought in to deal with somebody at a particular level and then actually you start to find out that there is that cultural aspect that people senior to that person are perhaps bullying them and that's the sort of culture in the organisation or, or do those organisations just not bring you in because they just think it's normal behaviour? <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. It gets normalised, right? Or, you know, the CEO is thinking it's not that bad, let's just leave it be or I love that statement why can't they all just be adults you know it's like well adults really aren't that great at relationships or we wouldn't have politics and therapists and marriage counselors and <laughs> lawyers you know it's we're not when people that, that cracks me up when people say why don't they just act like adults because adults really aren't that good at, at relationship building like I said so um, yeah it, it's um, unfortunate that it often has to kind of escalate into this explosive moment before I get called in but that's where we're back to those managers if they could have some tools to step in early on then I wouldn't need to coach these people no and how helpful is it that you're outside of the situation do you think Oh, I think that's very helpful. A lot of times, you know, HR has probably been trying to influence this person's behavior for quite a while. So HR is in this weird position where the CEO is not really giving them permission to take any clear action, but HR is hearing about these problems and the way people feel. And so HR will do what they do and try to insert themselves and say, hey, you know, you can't act that way or I'm hearing about this. Let, let's try to find some new ways to behave. But all of that, the, you know, the person who's bullying is just thinking, oh, it's just HR telling me to be nice. You know, it's not, mm -hmm. I think, being internal, sometimes HR doesn't have the kind of power that they need. So, yeah, it's like, I'm just an outsider, and I just asked a bunch of people, I don't know how you're perceived, and this is what they shared. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm different, a different messenger than HR. So you go in and you do your 360, and, and you've got that feedback. Do you then work with them or with HR to help them to, to move that forwards, or is it, is it more a question of sort of identifying the problem and then running with it. Yeah, no, we, we use that feedback as the crux of coaching. So what I do is take all of my interview notes where I gathered all these perceptions and I move all of the interview notes into teams that I see. So that helps with confidentiality as well. So that um, basically everyone's words ends up in these bullet points right. mixed with everybody else's words. Um, and then I'll, I, put these themes in there so that it's like, look, here's one theme. People think you call out mistakes in public and here's 15 bullet points of people's words where they said you did that. So it's not just me telling you, I think that these are the words of people who work with you. Um, oh, look, here's another theme, you know, that you, you're very emotional and you scream and you escalate. Well, let's, you know, these are the words of people. So they, I, what I've done is created a scenario where they can't deny it anymore. And, and the facts of each situation are irrelevant. The fact is that I have a 20 page document that pe that proves people think you're bullying. Um, and yeah. then we, we kind of lean on the, the different themes. So we'll say, okay, well, people 
say that you call out mistakes in public. Do you do that? Why do you do that? What other things could you do to, you know, mm-hmm. so the coaching becomes about adjusting themes. Um, and then yes. I re-interview everyone in about four months after beginning of coaching and, and see how the changes are unfolding. And often they're very positive. People have noticed a lot of change. Um, yeah. And then I'll, I'll coach a little bit longer, and then the coaching is over. Um, so it's it's a cool process. I actually really enjoy it because they they don't want to hurt people, and there's a lot of unhappiness, and they're they're very appalled a lot of times when they get that first round of feedback to see just how poorly they're perceived. Yeah, yeah. And when we talk about bullies in the sort of outside world, not at not, not at work, we we talk about bullies are often bullied themselves and that's where it's come from is that is that does that stack up with this that often people have been in that situation on the receiving end and it it turns into them doing the same as has been done to them yeah there's research that for example if you were bullied as a child you're probably bullied at work as an adult if you were a bully as a child you probably are a bully as an adult I, but I don't know that it's always 100% correlated what I think a better way to play, to put it is that People learn to bully from somewhere, be it yeah. that were bullied or have have been, you know, they've experienced that. Um, I've had people where, like one guy, he kind of grew up in this organization with some really negative leadership that everybody talked about. And even when I did the interviews, people would say, it's not his fault. You know, he kind of grew up in this other horrible leadership that's not here anymore. So he had learned it. Um, another guy, he was a high-level college football player and so he was sort of managing like a football coach in college which right, obviously yeah. is a very different skill set so yeah they, they learn it from somewhere and I'll, I'll also throw in there that often the organization is unknowingly facilitating the bullying mm-hmm. so a lot of times the coaching conversations also include this piece of kind of like how do you maneuver the corporate culture that actually has perpetuated your behavior. Just to give you an example, one woman I was coaching in this organization where feedback just really, they just, you you don't give feedback to people. You just keep it to yourself. And she had one employee who really wasn't performing. And so what had happened is she had finally had enough of his lack of performance and had lashed out at him. And that's how she ended up in coaching. That was her, you know, kind of defining moment. And yeah. uh, so we talked about tools and things that she could do to talk to him about about his performance. And when she presented her plan to address his poor performance with her own boss, her own boss lost it and said, you can't say these things to him. Da, 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 da. You know, and it's like, how, how can I help her if she can't be a yeah. manager by giving someone feedback? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Then it all comes down to the sort of nuance of, of, what it looks like so the the manager was was seeing feedback as sort of too much criticism but actually the feedback was coming out as absolute bullying in the end because of that I suppose feeling of powerlessness of not being able to (laughs) to give that feedback yeah so that's a great example of the organization actually facilitating her behavior rather than you know keeping her from bullying so yeah. those are the little organizational nuances you know when we talk about managers needing training or living the core values and leaning on that to manage behavior um, it's all those little other types of things having a feedback yeah. culture that people who are inclined to bully have an ability to give feedback instead of letting it 
percolate and then explode, you know, so it's all all of that all plays into Mm -hmm. it. This has been really interesting. Um, We've just got a couple of minutes left. Uh, Have you got uh, any advice for people who are feeling bullied at the moment as a sort of next step for them? Yep, for sure. Document, document, document everything. So even if you don't have any actual, you know, emails or things to prove the way you're being treated, I would say start to collect stories of things happening. So every time somebody, you know, engages in a bullying behavior, then write it down, you know, who, what, when, where, why, what, what was happening, where was it, the date, all of that. So that at some point when you go to report the behavior, it's a little harder for HR to, to say it's a he said, she said type of a scenario if you can say, well, here's three months of kind of how yeah. I've been getting treated. Um, mm-hmm. Also, when you do report it to HR, go to them with a solution. I think that will really work in your favor to say, look, I've, I've already tried yeah. X, Y, and Z. It didn't work. Could you please help me and that's why I'm here. I need more help. And then the third piece of advice is if it's pretty clear that your organization isn't interested in helping you, then you should leave. Uh, I have yeah. talked to too many people who have been totally damaged. They have PTSD um, and it's hard, you can't recover from that. So be really self-aware about how you're feeling and leave if you need to. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much, Catherine. It's been so interesting talking to you today. Um, thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you. I I enjoyed it as well. Happy holidays. <laughs> yeah, but there for everybody. And uh, yeah, it went by in a flash, as, as I said it would. <laughs> so um, just to let you know, we're um, taking a couple of breaks of live shows, um, a couple of weeks break for Christmas and New Year. But we are meant to put together a special show uh, answering a couple of questions from our audience. So if you're a listener and you want to contribute, then you can drop uh, an email with an answer to these questions, um, either audio, which we can play, or uh, written, um, and we can include them in the show for you. So the first question is, if you were to broadcast a Christmas message about employee engagement, who would it be to, and what would you say to them? And then the second question, what's your New Year's resolution for employee engagement? So, as I say, if you'd like to send in your answers to those questions, you can email info at engagesuccess.org. If you could do that by Christmas Eve, that would be great. And then we'll get that special show out and then we'll be back in the new year. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.